Hi, this is Joel Knox from the Vineyard Church in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad that you're interested in our podcasts. Our media is available to you free of charge, and it always will be. But if you'd like to help us out, you can go to our website, vineyardbrenham.org, and make a donation there. We'd appreciate it very much. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, I want to welcome you to the vineyard this morning. I know I welcomed you when we did worship, but um, for those of you who didn't know that movie, that's the movie Elf. It was released in 2003. Y'all familiar with that, that movie? It's, it's kind of become one of the new classics, I think, in, in the, the Christmas season. And, uh, and, and for those of you who care, there's 165 days of shopping left before Christmas. Um, in case you're wondering, a little bit of Christmas in July. But this morning, I want to talk to you on a, on a particular topic, and that topic is anticipation. The key to receiving the kingdom of God. Now, you know, I, I like to open a sermon either with a video clip or, or with a song. And the only other option I had was Carly Simon's Anticipation. But I didn't know how many people would recognize Carly Simon. The other thing, I, we had kids in here. I didn't know if it would be appropriate. So, so that's why I went the, the way with, with Elf. But have you ever felt like, like Buddy? That anticipation... You know, because I think we've all played with a jack-in-the-box, and we don't really know exactly at the moment whenever it gets to the point where it's going to release and, and, you know, and surprise you. And, of course, he was testing them, and they were, they were opening at different times and, you know, making it, making it a little fearful for him. But it, have you ever been anticipating something to the point where you, you, were, you, you would just tense up and just almost freeze? Like maybe going to the doctor's office and getting ready to get a shot or get your finger pricked. I can't think of anything worse. Back in the old days, the doctors actually would have the little thing and they would just, or the nurses or whoever it was that did it, you, has, you stick your finger out and they've got this thing, it's, it's like a lancet or something, and they would actually stick your finger. Now they've got the little contraption that does it and... And it's not quite as bad, you know. You know it's coming when it clicks. It's gonna it's gonna hit your finger, but that anticipation of of that sting they call it the sting of the shot, the sting of the prick. I mean, I, I don't like needles, so anticipation like that definitely does me a lot of harm. And in in sports, anticipation can be a good thing, but sometimes it can also be a bad thing. If you're a football fan, last fall, the New Orleans Saints were cruising to victory, and Case Keenum just threw up a prayer, and it was caught by and I, I, Stephon Diggs. I'm having trouble with my eyes this morning, so you have to bear with me. I did something yesterday when I was mowing, and, and they, they've been burning and itching and everything. And uh, 
that burning and itching went away this morning. Now everything's fuzzy. So like everybody, you're, you just, it just kind of looks like a, like a big wash out here. So if I look at you funny, it's probably because I can't see your face. So, um, and, and I'm, I'm trying to read my notes. But Stefan Diggs pulls this prayer down and then scores on a 61-yard touchdown. And it kind of looked like this. And Marcus Williams is the, the, the player that's, that's coming up behind Stefan. And notice that his head's down. One of the things they tell you in football, if you want to be able to see what you're doing, you've got to keep your head up. Well, he, he ducks his head and he completely whiffs, misses Stefan Diggs, and he's the one guy between Stefan Diggs and a touchdown. And after the game, Marcus Williams, poor guy, he's crying. He's in his, in his locker and, you know, and got so many microphones in his face, and he doesn't know anything else to say, but I, 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 I blew it. I missed the play. I, I, I had my head down, and I missed the tackle. And the, the crazy thing was that people started all these memes about him and, and you know, making fun of, of Marcus Williams. Well, earlier in that game, he had an interception that he returned for a touchdown. So it's not that Marcus Williams was a bad player, he just had a bad play. And anticipation got the best of him. Thomas Merton famously said, the mind in its own place and its, in, in itself can make a heaven of hell and make a hell of heaven. You know, we, we, we think about things, sometimes we, we, we're anticipating that maybe our taxes are coming due, and, you know, and we, we start thinking about the worst, and that anticipation can really get us all wound up in knots. And a lot of the things that we're afraid of, the things that we're concerned about, the things that, that, that get us all tied up in knots, are things that don't even happen. And the problem is, for most of us, that we anticipate things that are negative. And that, in turn, preoccupies our mind and prevents us from seeing the positive things that God might want to be doing around us. Now, anticipation had its place in the history of the kingdom of God. In Israel, God's people looked forward to the coming of the Messiah and the kingdom of God. We're familiar with that, right? And so... For hundreds of years, they're telling this story that the Messiah is coming. And they were looking for him, to, and they, they even knew, based on what the prophet said, where he would be born, when he would be born. They, they, they knew all these things. They had, had people who spent their entire lives studying the coming of the Messiah. And yet, nearly everybody missed it when Jesus came. But those who recognized Jesus when He came received it with joy. And received Him with joy. If you look in, in the book of, of Luke, there's a guy by the name of Simeon. And Luke writes about him, he was righteous and devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the, the, of the, law, the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms 
and praise God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in sight of all nations, and a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So I want to talk to you this morning about anticipation. And not in the negative sense, but in the positive sense, in what, what that does for us as we anticipate the coming, the breaking in of God's kingdom. In Hebrews chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews writes, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. In the New Testament, in the early church, fellowship was the lifeblood of the Christian community. In the book of Acts... we read how the disciples and how those that were followers of Jesus came together. They met together in the temple courts. They shared meals together. They shared just about everything together. They kept things in common. And yet, they, they were... Inside the Christian community, they were, they were received well. They, were, they, they took care of one another. Outside of the Christian community, they were seen as, as weirdos because they worshipped a God that they couldn't see. Roman culture had hundreds and hundreds of, of idols to worship. And even in the, the Jewish culture, they, they worshipped Jehovah, but they, they rejected Jesus as the Messiah and so that, that connection that they had with each other was the bedrock of their community. They thrived on their connection with one another. And the writer of Hebrews emphasized that meeting together was a way to experience the kingdom of God. Do you realize that when we meet together, that this is a way that we experience the kingdom of God? It's, it's just a portion, and we all celebrate it, Across the world, there, there are churches that are meeting just as we are now. Some may have already dismissed their services. Some may be getting ready for the next week and, and so on. But we're, we're all experiencing this small portion of the kingdom of God when we come together and worship together. And the thing is, we can't experience that, the fellowship, that community, unless we meet together. You might get on Facebook and do Facebook Live from our service, but it's not the same thing as being here. You know, if it, I grew up, we used to watch the, the preachers on TV before, before we went to church. You know, and they would, they would do all kinds of crazy things to, to, to try to connect with people in, that was in the TV audience, you know, put your hand up on the screen. 
You know, and and they and even you know some guys they they would they they'd have a word of knowledge and they'd they'd just call out things like you know somebody's struggling with with arthritis or whatever and you know and then they would get them to call in to 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 say yeah that was me I I you know I I heard you saying that and I, I feel like the Lord just touched me and you know and those things they do happen but the connection that we have as a community is something that can't be duplicated with technology with social media or any other kind of app or anything that, that might come along that, that somehow tries to make us feel that connection together. We can only have that when we come and meet together as, as the body of Christ. And the truth is, too, we, we need other people in our lives. How many of you are introverts? We need people in our lives. And I heard it said one time that, that introverts really need at least one extrovert in their life just to kind of help them balance out a little bit. And, and, and at the same time, extroverts, they need an introvert to kind of help them balance out too because, you know, extroverts, they tend to, to go to the excesses and, you know, and they, and they start annoying people. But... There's study after study that shows the benefits of friendships and how they boost happiness and health. And when we're stressed and discouraged and often turn to friends, we often turn to friends for moral support. And celebrating with friends adds to our joy. Have you ever had a, a party by yourself? Was that any fun? Having people around adds to the joy of the celebration. And when we meet together like this, this is where the magic happens. This is where the magic happens. God uses our touch, our voices, to speak into people's lives, and we become the catalyst for change. I've been talking a lot about transformation recently. And we, we become part of the transformation that God is doing in our lives whenever we're interacting and meeting with each other. You can't duplicate the, the touch. You can't duplicate a hug. You can't duplicate a handshake anywhere else but here. And we have to meet together to experience, experience that. So this morning I want us, want us to see that we need the Holy Spirit to help us anticipate fellowship with one another. And by that I mean looking forward to being together. You don't have to answer this, but if, you, if, if you're one of those that's like, oh, I have to go to church this morning. Well, it's, it's something's not quite right. And, and, and we hope that the Holy Spirit would be able to help that so that, that it's actually becomes something that you want to do. Deanna's not here this morning. I, I, was, I was looking just to make sure. Um, she was telling me. Oh, is she here? Did I, I, I? Oh, oh, she's in the toddler room. That's why. That, that's why I didn't see her. Okay, we're talking about you, Deanna. But Deanna was, had probably been coming here for, I don't know, a couple of months. And she went through Vineyard 101. And we, we had, had lunch together. And we were talking. And she was telling us about, about Kaylee and her anticipation about coming to church. 
And this was, this was early on, but she was like, Mama, do we go to church today? Oh, no, no, honey, today's Tuesday. Mama, are we going to church today? No, honey, today's Thursday. Mama, do we go to church today? Oh, well, it's Saturday, we'll go tomorrow. But she, she could not wait to come to church. She looked forward to being here. And, and you know, we kind of look at that and we're like, oh, isn't that sweet? Well, Jesus told us that unless you receive the kingdom as a child... Like a child would receive the kingdom. You won't receive it. The Apostle Paul told the Corinthians, What then shall we, we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Now, in the vineyard, we have this, this saying, and we, we say it a lot, that everybody gets to play. And that, all that means is, is that we don't wait for the minister to do everything. That we all can participate in what God is doing, and God can, can give us the gifts to edify the church. And, and I want to draw attention to this last little sentence in this passage Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. All the stuff that Paul's talking about there needs to happen when we come together. Now, there, there, are, there are ways to do that in decent, decency and in order, but it needs to happen. And when that's happening, then we experience the fullness of what God intends for us when we come together in fellowship. So, I'm just looking at everybody. You're probably thinking to yourself, okay, Joel, we're here this morning. The people that aren't here need to be hearing what you're talking about. Because they're not here, right? They're the ones that really need to hear this message. Well, I'm saying this because we need to encourage each other, including the ones who aren't here. So, even when we don't feel like coming... That, you know, you get that little boost and you get here and you start singing the songs and, you know, and you see somebody and you give them a hug and the next thing you know, you're feeling better than you did whenever you got up. That's what fellowship does for us. It gives us something that we, we can't get on our own. Well, that's the first thing that I want us to anticipate. There are still two more things. In a letter that was shared among various churches during the first century, the Apostle James wrote in chapter 1, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, how many of you have at least one printed Bible at home? Okay, anybody with a smartphone, do you have the Bible app on your phone? Okay. And 
I don't know, some of you might have these. Um, Danelle's grandparents used to have this. It was a little little loaf. It was a ceramic thing, and it had these cards in it. And it was a scripture for the day. You, you have one of those? You've seen them. Okay, we, we've, got, we've got plaques that are on the wall. We've, uh, I think we've got one in our house that says, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And we, we've got scripture replicated all around us. Does anybody have a, a scripture on your bumper, your, uh, on your, the bumper of your car, a bumper sticker? Okay, well, maybe not, but, but, <laughs> but we, we have scripture available to us in more ways than we really can imagine. You know, it, it's, it's, it, we, we got the Bible on, on CD, we've got it on, now it's on MP3, I think you can even listen to it on Spotify that you can have somebody reading it to you over an app. We have Scripture available to us, and 84% of Americans own a Bible. The average reader owns 3.6 copies. At my house, it's a little bit more than that, and, but, but the, that's, the, that's the fact. That's what it is. We are literally saturated with Scripture. But does it make a difference? The, the writer of Hebrews wrote about the power of Scripture. He said, for the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any, two, any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit and joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Scripture's powerful. And when you think about the fact that it's, it's a, a book that's a collection of writings that was collected over centuries that are bound together with this common theme of the salvation of man. It speaks to our circumstances and provides wisdom for the, the, the trials and temptations we face. No other book speaks to us like that. But James brings up an important point. Do not merely listen to the word and, and, and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So what, what's this deception that James is talking about? The deception is that hearing God's word is enough. I mean, how many times do we just read through our devotion in the morning and it's just kind of like, okay, I, I check, go get the coffee, go get ready for work, whatever, and, and we just blow through it. You know, the, we, we, we say the Lord's Prayer together sometimes, and we just, just blow through the Lord's Prayer. You know, we've got the Bible on, on CD and, or on Spotify or whatever, and you're driving down the road, somebody cuts you off, and then what happens? There's got to be more than just listening to what the Word says. There's got to be more than just just hearing what it says, reading what it says. We have to act on what Scripture tells us to do. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us do that. So I'm saying this morning that we need the Holy Spirit to help us anticipate application of Scripture to life. In our daily course of life, we talked about this last week. 
you know, in the, in, in the regular eating and drinking and sleeping and, and, and working and playing, offer ourselves as a living sacrifice that's holy and, and acceptable to God? Scripture is infused with the power to change our lives. And Paul told the Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I would say every one of us here, they're the majority, that somebody proclaimed Scripture to you, proclaimed the Gospel to you, and that is why you believe in Jesus, right? Somebody took you down the Roman road. Somebody, somebody took you aside and, and showed you what Scripture had to say about being born again, Right? Our, our faith requires more from us. Just as James said in, in chapter 2 of, of, of his letter, what good is it, brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and, and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good is that to you? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds and it is dead and useless. I think if we, if we decided that we wanted to do what Scripture tells us to do, we could literally turn Brenham and Washington County upside down. And we're not talking about going out and doing some grand crusade. We're just talking about just in our regular, everyday living, breathing, working. Just allow Jesus to lead us. So, there's one last thing that I want us to anticipate this morning. And it's in Acts chapter 1. It's where I'm going to start. Verse 4. And you're probably familiar with this verse. Once... When he, Jesus, was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he has promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then later on in Acts chapter 2, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone pres present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages just as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, Jesus spent 40 days after his resurrection on earth with his disciples. He was basically just giving them their marching orders and giving them the direction that they would need to go going forward. Now before he ascended into heaven, he told the disciples to stay in Jerusalem and wait for this gift that was promised by the Father. It would be another 10 days before the disciples found out what exactly they were waiting for. Now, We've all read what the Spirit does. We've all heard sermons about what He wants to do. 
And we may have experienced His touch in our lives. But do we anticipate meeting and experiencing the Holy Spirit in our quiet times and when we meet together here on Sunday mornings? Anticipation is the key, and that's what I'm talking about this morning. In Psalm chapter 34, David sang, I prayed to the Lord, and He answered me. He freed me from all my fears. And those who look to Him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. It's often been said in worship, you get out what you put into it. And people often ask, was the worship any good? Have you ever had somebody ask, how was the worship? Was the band any good? How do we do this morning? I don't know. But the, the truth still remains, regardless of the band, regardless of the singers, regardless of what songs were picked, whether you liked them or not, or whether they were, they were new songs, or they were old songs, or they were hymns, or they were whatever, you really get out what you put into it. And, and just speaking for the band, it's not our job to pump you up. You know, we're not the Hans and Franz. We're here to pump you up. Let's pump the music up. You know, that, that's, that's not our job. We've come together to worship. And when we come together to worship, we get out what we put in. And our anticipation is what leads us into worship whenever we come together. And I feel like if we come to the Lord with a sense of expectation, He will meet us, and that encounter will change our lives. So this morning, I kind of gave it all away already. We need to anticipate to encounter the Holy Spirit. We need, to, we need to anticipate that. Whenever we get in our quiet times and you're reading Scripture, ask the Holy Spirit to come and enlighten your mind. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Ask God to speak to you. And, and I, I, I firmly believe that He'll answer those prayers. He'll answer those requests because He wants us to meet with Him. And He wants us to communicate with Him. And it's possible for us to go throughout the day and have this connection with the Lord that's just, it, it, it's ongoing. And it's just strings along because we're, we're in communication with Him. Jesus told His disciples in Acts chapter 1, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, through Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That power is, is, is there waiting for us. And it's the power to transform us and make us disciples of Jesus who can share the gospel with others. That's what it's all about. That's what the power is all about. And that's what is at work in us whenever we come together and we worship together and when we experience His Word. And I think that's what the Lord wants for us today. But this is a prayer that we prayed before, and, and I, I, I keep going back to it. I think it's, it's probably one of my, my favorite written prayers. 
Come, Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. I think y'all know it because we've done it so many times. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created and you will renew the face of the earth. Lord, by the light of the Holy Spirit, you have taught the hearts of your faithful. In the same spirit, help us relish what is right and always rejoice in your consolation. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.